Are you ready to be a better, more successful, and open-minded trader and investor? I'm Serge Berger, head trader and investment strategist at thestudytrader.com, and I want to help you get there. Whether you've been investing for years or are just getting your feet wet, this podcast will help you cut through the noise and get dialed in on the big picture. We will utilize research, guest interviews, and real-time analysis of the market. We're at a critical juncture in the market where knowledge really will mean power. Consistency is one of those things that we all strive for as traders and investors. And I've got a very special guest today with me that is an expert in that very topic. We talk about it a lot here as well, also at The Steady Trader, hence the name. And with that, that Brian, I want to welcome you. This is Brian McAvoy. He runs a website called InsideOutTrading.com. Brian, let us know a little bit about what we focus on. I know we chat, chat a little bit before off camera, and we'll just dive right in if you give us a bit of an intro. Sure. A uh, quick intro, uh, my background, which is going to lead into the conversation. Before I started trading, I actually used to work in manufacturing as a quality assurance manufacturer. A quality assurance manager that was working at a manufacturer where we made uh, plastic bottles like for Coke and Pepsi, Aquafina, and Gatorade and stuff like that. And what I loved about quality assurance from an engineering standpoint, because my degree was engineering, was quality assurance was really all about getting very intentional about what you're doing at whatever processes you have going on, whether they're machines or they're people, but getting your process dialed in and making it so consistent that you know what the output is going to be. And that's what I loved about quality assurance. And from an engineering standpoint, it was funny back in school and taking mechanical engineering, it's like you can design a perfect machine or a perfect plant layout or whatever. And on paper, yes, it was excellent. And as soon as you threw people into the mix, all bets are off. And what I loved about quality assurance is quality is how you make things work with people in the middle of it. And, and really it's the quality assurance stuff and the focus on consistency and taking a process-based approach to trading that really is what saved me and allowed me to go from blowing up my account to being able to come back and approach it in, a, again, a process-based uh, manner where I focused on consistency first. And that's what allowed me to turn my trading around. And that's what I've been teaching everybody ever since uh, for about the last yeah. 18 years. But yeah, the focus really is on consistency. If you have the consistency down, life's a whole lot easier than, than if you don't. If you don't have the consistency, it's just going to be rough. Just, yeah, this is a, a great starting point. One of the things that I've always found that really separates the, the do-it-yourselfer at home from the professional investor, and I'm not talking about the sell side, I'm talking about the buy side, is that typically speaking, they have a, a bit of FOMO, the retail investor, but also they don't have 100% focus. Not all of them, some of them do have 100% focus, but then those tend to have FOMO. One of the things that I'm wondering if we could touch on a little bit is let's assume your typical, stereotypical retail investor, self-directed investor, self-proclaimed, self-directed investor who's trying to do it all themselves. He or she's managing their IRA, trading on at, at the same time. Where do you see typically when you speak to people, where do you typically see the hangup? What is their problem? that's keeping them from consistency? Is it a lack of focus? Is it uh, not having a plan? Or is it something else that is ultimately probably having one of those two issues? 
of course, focus go, goes in, uh, comes into play because, yeah, if you, if you can't stay focused on what you have going on and if you do have a plan, if you can't stay focused on your plan, yeah, that's going to cause you problems. Just because as if you're handling things yourself, it's not all completely automated or being done by somebody else. If you're part of the process and you're inconsistent in what you do, not focusing, then you're just adding a variable to things. And yes, it's going to work against consistent output and consistent results. So yeah, of course, focus is going to be part of it. But yeah, of course, having a plan, anything that you're going to do, you need to be intentional about it. And especially when we're talking about financial matters, if you're not being intentional about it, where you have some sort of expected outcome and some sort of a plan on how you're going to produce that outcome, if you're not, going, if you're not approaching it in that manner, then you're dealing with unknowns. And that true, then in its pure sense, is gambling. When you're going into something and it's just plain unknown, you don't really have some some measure of influence on what the outcome is going to be. You're gambling. As long as you are doing approaching matters in a way where okay, you're taking steps to move things toward a specific outcome. Now you're taking control of it and you're being intentional. You're not you're not gambling now because you're working toward a known thing. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I think what I'm hearing is there's a lack of focus is maybe the way I would put it. And, and we see that as well, right? It's I think a lot of people have the right intention, but there there is a lack of focus. And I wonder a lot of times where the lack of focus really stems from. Is it is it just unrealistic expectations, which is I what I believe is at the core of, of, of one of the issues? Or is it, uh, and then where do those unrealistic expectations come from? So where's the real root cause? Obviously, a lot of it has to do with how we're wired as human beings. That's probably the, the real anatomy issue. But it goes, you know, from there, outside of that, it goes to advertising, wonderful ads on CNBC about how easy it is to click on your favorite PlayStation console broker thing lookalike. All some, it's ridiculous. And so I wonder, where do you think people, like, there's got to be a starting point because we see so many people come into this on the retail side, but even on the institutional side, we see a lot of investment advisors that really have no real clue about how the markets work. They're just financial planners. And I don't say just in derogatory term, it's just, that's what they do, right? That is their thing. But of course, right. investment advisors have to go beyond that of investing was just allocating to a couple of ETFs and a few funds, but now they're getting more questions from an, an equally uninformed clientele that they have about maybe trading a Bitcoin ETF, which is very topical, of course, nowadays or these this week as we're recording this. And so they're, it's a blind leading the blind and that sort of situation. But where do you think it's like, how do they get gain more focus? Like there's got to be something that's a bit hardwired whether it's internal or externally influenced, that they can break to, to get more focused. The real root of most problems for most traders and a lot of investors, and unfortunately, a, a lot of professionals, is a, a lack of knowledge. A lot of people get into trading and they look at it and they're like, okay, I get it. And okay, I understand what I'm supposed to do. But just because you understand like the game, my favorite analogy is golf. I understand the game of golf. My grandfather, he was a good golfer, actually was a pro and, and trained other people. My dad, he was an avid golfer. Me, I understand the game. I understand everything about it, how it works, the rules, all, all that kind of stuff. And I understand the mechanics of it and I know how to swing a golf club. 
But just because I understand how the whole thing works and what I'm supposed to do, that doesn't make me a good golfer. There are a whole lot of aspects to the game that I just plain, I don't know. And I don't, and, and those are my limitations for, in some ways, and this is true for traders as well. There are a lot of traders that they look at trading and, okay, I understand buy low, sell high, and I understand how to place trades. But as far as understanding the skills that go into being a good trader and a skilled trader where, yeah, you're going into it and you actually do know what you're doing, that's a whole different ballgame. Like I said, with golf, with golf, that's how I am. But I find that's a really good analogy for traders and again, even professionals. And part of it is with the ignorance. And I don't say ignorance, meaning that people are stupid. It's just there are things that people don't know when they get yeah. into trading or investing. Yeah. And a lot of times they don't even know what they don't know. And so they become their own limitation. And so they really need to be seeking things out so that they actually do have a solid handle on what they're doing. And they, again, we can be very intentional about going into it. We can go into the markets, whether we're doing more longer term investing or regular trading in and out of the markets on a regular basis. But we want to be, we want to do it from a position of knowing and actually competence. That really is the biggest thing is just plain having the skill set to be good at it where, yeah, you're going into it and you know what the heck you're doing and you know that your methodology you're bringing to it is going to be successful, or at least the odds are very strongly in your favor. You're not just going into it kind of hoping or on a hunch and trying to make some money. It's like, oh, you're going into it very intentionally and you know what, what to expect for the outcome. So really the, again, the root, what I say is like the deepest root is just plain a lack of training and, and a lack of knowledge and, and recognizing that yes, this, these are occupations that require knowledge and skill. And before you can worry about focus or plan or the strategy you're going to use or anything, any of that stuff, those come much later than just plain having a good foundational understanding and the basic skills to approach this in that kind of a manner where, yeah, you're going into it knowing that you're solid. I think you, you said a couple of really important things there. The one that really caught my attention was the fact, and I, when we see this as well, that lots of investors, the do-it-yourselfer crowd, they don't know what they don't know. And of course, that is classic, right? We see that whether you're out in the ski slopes or on the golf course, right? You have a little bit of wind. It was a one club or is a four club wind, right? That all depends. Where is it blowing from? What is the, you play with your average weekend golfer and they have no idea what grain is on a green. They haven't ever heard of that. It's that kind of stuff. In the markets, it's very similar. When I, when we do webinars and presentations or one-on-one, conversations, it always seems to go past people's heads that they should be looking at interest rate markets and the dollar and other things in order to get the equity market right. They have their favorite 50-day moving average because that's what the free ebook they got off of a, a free website somewhere uh, told them to do, and that's all they need to do. And so I wonder... Where, what, again, what it takes to break that circle. And, and I think it's human laziness is a little bit it. Because a lot of the, the people that are having, again, they don't know what they don't know. They also have, seem to have the ones with the strongest opinions, right? I think the best investors I know, at least, are the most, are, are the most humble ones. Because they know how, how quickly things go wrong and how quickly one have, sometimes have to change their view. What about, to me, this is a very closely related thing. Uh, on it before volatility now volatility can take even most humbled and seasoned traders to to make uh, quote unquote mistakes 
when we talk about and, and I know this is that this talk isn't and not it's not meant to be about Bitcoin ETFs, but it's a good example, I think, of something. There's a huge parade of Wall Street sales forces out there right now. I already got about three calls today over at Blue Marlin for the ETFs. That stuff is volatile, and this is just the nature of it. Right? It's a new asset class, and it's volatile. What do you think volatility has to do with that sort of maybe making not being consistent? Because I think there's a close connection between that in terms of in terms of price action, at least. Well, as far as volatility, okay, I don't, I don't know that I'm understanding correctly. As far as volatility, yeah, would, can you rephrase sure. that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So if you think about it, so let's say, let's take just the Bitcoin ETF. I think that just because it's very topical right now. So let's say someone goes in and uh, wants to allocate to that. Typical retail investor, do-it-yourselfer, knows 100% sure they know what they're going to do. They buy a Bitcoin ETF. It goes up, whatever, 50% or 30%. Problem is when everything's going great, the problem is it then drops 50%. A trader or that wants to be a bit more tactical would have probably taken some profits along the way or done some stuff with options or whatever. Or if you're passive allocator, you just you just have it as diversification. But what I tend to see is the typical retail investor is not aware how volatile things tend to be, which which leads to a lack of consistency. In other words, the typical retail, the self-directed trader goes in, sees a breakout, draw their line, they have the 50-day moving average, they have they have a beautiful horizontal line, then they've got some guy in CNBC that's screaming the head off about how amazingly bullish that is. They buy some of it, it might go higher before they know it goes back down again, and maybe at some point it goes back up again. Hmm. This gets very technical, but it, but it tends to lead people to underestimate, again, the volatility and lead through a break of consistency. Yeah, what you're describing here, and, and I'm glad I asked you to rephrase it, it give, me, give me a chance to process what, what you're presenting here. What you're describing, and, and, and this is, a, it is a really good example, um, is where for trading, again, stepping back and looking at the bigger picture of it and being able to get consistent results out of it over time, as a trader, you can't just be a short-term thinker in trading hunches and chasing stuff as it occurs and just being very reactionary in area of markets. You really, if you want to be a trader, first thing you have to decide is, again, am I gambling? Am I just, yeah, I'm on this, putting my money down on this spin of the roulette wheel, or am I in this for the long game? Am I planning on placing 20, 50, 100, 500 trades over the coming year or years? And so you have to think in terms of the long game, and whatever methodology you want to use, whether it's built for volatile markets or flat markets or whatever, you have to, again, going back to being competent in what you're doing is you have to have some sort of a method that you know works so that when you're looking at a certain situation, okay, we've got a, a launch of a new asset class or maybe an IPO or an ICO or whatever. That's okay. I already have a methodology that I know works in these conditions because I've already I've defined my process properly, I've tested it, I know it works, I've gotten in some reps with it. Now, when I see those situations, I know that I can go into it and I know what the heck I'm doing. And I also know what kind of situations it's not gonna work in. But a whole lot of people are, they're seeing, they're seeing the news, oh yeah, Bitcoin's getting ready to blow up again. So they jump into it, 
but they're doing it all on a very short with very short term thinking and very opportunistic thinking instead of I'm in this for the long game and there are going to be opportunities every day across the markets. If you think about it, between the Forex markets and now that, you know, the cryptocurrencies and the stocks, of course, and the futures and across all the different markets, there are literally thousands of great opportunities to make money every day every single day so it's not like just because this one's in the news that it's the only one and so there's thousands of opportunities every day and you have to decide okay what kind of opportunities am i going to pursue and how am i going to best prepare myself so that when i see those opportunities i can go into it and i know what to do to actually give myself good odds of making money in that situation yeah and and so that brings it all back to consistency you have to look at it in the longer game. And, and and the other thing is, if you do have a good strategy, or let's say a good idea for making money in the markets, which is a strategy, it's not just something you want to do once. If you've got a good strategy, this is something that you want to be able to go to the markets over and over and over again, potentially hundreds or maybe even thousands of times over your career as a trader. And so, yeah, you want to be able to take this excellent strategy that you have and execute it consistently over all those opportunities so that you're making money over and over and over again. But you have to look at it from the long game and from the, the perspective of, I wanna have something that I can do where I know what the output's gonna be. And it's not mm -hmm. just that mm -hmm. I think it's gonna work. I've already established the process and proven it out. And so I know it works. And now, yeah, when I see those opportunities, I can go in there and I, I, and I know what the odds are. And I know that the odds are in my favor that I'm gonna make money. Mm -hmm. I think that's a the the the, the probabilistic thinking is, is is kind of where this goes. Let's talk a little bit about strategy. One of the things that I'm always repeating internally, whether it's at our investment advisory firm or we manage portfolios, or whether it's externally to, to, to clients, and that is, are we in the business of are we in this business to make money, or are we in this business to entertain ourselves? And I think, and while that's a funny thing to say, and everyone's like, well, of course I want to make money. The reality is if you look at the typical do-it-yourselfers strategy at home, they are strategies that can only be realistically for entertainment. So if people thought about truly, like if people thought about odds, they probably wouldn't do half as many or wouldn't do 10% as many directional strategies as, as they're doing, meaning buying a stock or buying a call and hoping it goes up or putting the downside, that kind of thing. Are there any specific strategies? And I don't even know if this is in your sort of realm of topics that you cover, but if it is, are there any specific strategies without going too detailed that you tend to see as ones that lead to more consistency versus other ones? Oh yeah. If you think about it, where, where most of the classic strategies were originally developed, and even the strategies that are developed nowadays, they came from somebody observing a lot of activity in the markets. Jesse Livermore is one of the more well-known ones, but like Nicholas Darvis, a lot again, a lot of these legendary traders who came up with these great methods. Where they came from was they're looking at the charts and they're seeing repeated patterns. Because if you think about it. The markets historically, up until a couple of decades ago, were just human beings. And human beings can be very predictable. And so when events, certain events would happen, there would be a, some sort of a reaction in the markets. And what you would see in the charts is a, a behavioral response or emotional response. 
And now the computers are doing a lot of trading now with algorithmic trading. And, and that, of course, with AI, it's, it's only going to get amplified. But it's still the same thing. They're looking for specific things, and then they, they're going to put into play a specific reaction when they're looking for certain events. And so you have windows of predictability in the markets. You don't know when an event is going to happen that triggers a response. But a lot of times, for most traders, what we use in our trading is, that's okay, I'm looking for a setup, which is translated to, I'm seeing something that I've seen before that's the beginning of a larger pattern in the markets, whether it's involving indicators or not. And by, by recognizing the beginning of it, now I can reasonably anticipate the rest of what should happen unless this emotional response gets uh, interrupted. If it doesn't get interrupted, the odds are it's going to play out and I know what to expect. And so we'll have these windows of predictability to the markets. And that's really what gives us our edge as traders. When you ask the question, it's like immediately where I went, because yeah, everybody says the uncertainty in the markets. And again, generally speaking, yes, uh, there is an element of uncertainty as to what might be triggering activity during a certain time. But there are lots of times, and again, almost every strategy that's been developed came from observing specific patterns that they saw in the markets over and over again. And they, they were repeated enough that it's, hey, I, I, can build a, I can build a strategy on this and build a system on it. Do I have some favorites? Sure. The, and again, going back to a classic one, the zigzag strategies, where you have a trend that runs and it's a good, strong trend. And then there's a retracement where there's a period of profit taking, and then the trend resumes. That's, that's classically Andrew's pitchfork with his whole action reaction theory. But it, again, it's played out enough of times in the markets that it's, yeah, that's, it's a very reliable pattern. It happens a lot. And so that's a classic one, the zigzag strategies, the momentum, of course, trend following has been around forever. Moving average crossovers, there, there are a lot of those that are very effective. And Nicholas, even Darvis's strategies, box theory, it's still applicable today. It's taken some modifications because market conditions are different. But there are a lot of these strategies where, you know, yeah, they were built on a sound premise and they are effective if you can build a decent system on. Now, that's the key, though. There's a big difference between a strategy and a system. And that's really what screws a lot of traders up. I think along those same lines, one of the things just a, 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 little, a little more sort of the, sort of current events or current sort of trading uh, focus, uh, and, th and this holds true on the institutional side, as well as, of course, on the do-it-yourselfers, the self-directed investor side. And that is also something that historically has proven to be, have a bad ending. And that is basically selling short dated options. And, and you don't have to comment on this specifically if you don't want to, but it's to me, one of those things where you stretch the rubber band long enough and people have forgotten that markets can be volatile. We see it in discussions and in reactions to videos that we make to webinars people are focusing on short dated options and some of them are buying them some of them are selling them but if they thought about probabilities or actually did some work which goes back to the first couple of comments he said at the open and studied a little bit they would realize that is a game that very quickly can go against so badly and it wipes out literally years of gains. And I've seen this and at the hedge fund level, not at, forget the retail investor side, 
right? They're, they're just done afterwards. But at hedge funds, it'll have a 30, 40% drawdown in a matter of two weeks. And when you talk about consistency and being realistic and being in this more for making money as opposed to entertainment, those are things that I think it's hard to over overstate how important it is to find realistic strategies. Of course, they may not be the shiniest ones, but again, the question becomes, are we doing this to make money or are we just trying to get a kick out of it? And I, it really, to me, it feels, and I'm wondering what, if you have any feel on this right now, we, and we have been for and years now at an extreme level of, of, of people gambling. And, and some of that is because of the you know, money having been pushed into the system. Do you have any thoughts on that? More specifically, you covered a lot of ground there. <laughs> More specifically, what I'm asking is, is wondering, not asking, wondering of whether you have any thoughts right now as to the state of the retail investor or, or, or again, the institutionals in terms of their, their appetite for risk is long and short of it. And, and, yeah, and how that would translate into the lack of, of consistency, because at some point that rubber band snaps back. Yeah, as far as the the retail investors, actually, what I've been observing, at least like the people that I've, that I've been talking with, like people who come to me to get advice or they're, they're looking to hire, looking for help and stuff like that. I've actually been very encouraged because I find that a lot of people are, are a bit more cautious than they used to be. And, and one trend that I really see is very helpful in some regards is with the prop firms because the prop firms have requirements that make traders generally speaking of course there are a lot of exceptions but generally speaking it, it lays some parameters out for traders to operate within when it comes to risk management and profit targets that otherwise they they wouldn't do they just be flying by the seat of their pants hoping they figure it out someday and with the prop firms they have that opportunity to trade a larger account and so they'll step into that arena, but there are, there's a taskmaster there saying you have to meet these requirements in order to in order to get a funded account or in order to advance. Yep. And so they're forcing traders to scale up a bit. And it's funny because I've heard some some traders will complain and say, "Oh yeah, crop firms they're just there to rip everybody off. They don't they don't care." And it's to a certain degree, crop firms they understand that a lot there is going to be a lot of churn. People that come into it and they don't treat it with the proper respect, and they yeah. burn their money, and, that, and they're gone. Of course, there's going to be and trading's that way too. But at the same time, if you look at it from a different perspective, it's no what they're doing is actually very reasonable. They're giving you the opportunity to, tr to trade their capital. All they're really asking is that you show up and you demonstrate the skill to trade and make money. And if you do that. They will give you funded accounts where, yes, they'll give you the lion's share of the profits, which is a fair deal. But the, your end of the deal is you can't just show up and say, I got a couple hundred bucks to play with so I can buy it. I can pay the fee to get the funded account, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I, I want to just have that. I want to have access to that anyway. If they're, yeah, if they're being rough with you, it's because you're not treating it with the proper respect and you kind of deserve to get smacked. If you're showing up and you're saying, yes, I'm going to take this seriously. I, I do know what I'm doing. I do have a method that I know works and I can demonstrate that I can make money. Yeah, you're welcome here. They will give you the funded account and you'll make money. And so will they. So it actually is a good thing. And the reason I say in, as far as in general is they're just bringing a little bit more of a notion that 
to trading and for a lot of retail traders that otherwise without the platforms, they might not be thinking about it is, yeah, you have to treat this seriously and with a certain amount of respect. And we're not going to have yeah. a whole lot. Of, we're not going to have a whole lot of patience with you. We're not going to give you six months or a year or five years to figure it out. You, you got to show up ready to perform. And this is a skill based activity. It's not just one where, yeah, you can grab a, you know, a system and all of a sudden you're good to go. It's like with golf, just because you go buy a good set of clubs doesn't make you a good golfer. Just because you get a good strategy doesn't make you a great trader. You still yeah. have to bring competencies to this. And if you demonstrate those competencies and you treat them, you treat the occupation with the proper respect, it is rewarding. And if you don't, it's a punishing activity. Right. <laughs> now, of course, you, the, the, the situation you describe is already someone that's not going to a platform. Right? There is an inherent interest by the firm to make sure that their ducklings don't do something really stupid. What I was referring to before is the complete do-it-yourselfer that knows it all, really does know nothing. And this is not to be disrespectful, just because again, we don't know what we don't know. That's normal in life. <laughs> to me, when we look at it, there is an incredible amount of risk taking. We see this from even all the way from internal chat rooms to again, webinars where people are just unbelievably willing to take risk and we're talking about there's not a the slightest sense of even understanding that an apple can mean we're 30 percent it's completely not even possible in their mind what? historically speaking for example that stock does it all the time so we're seeing a lot of uh of that and that's and ultimately what it might do i would suspect that ultimately that class of an, of investors once they graduate meaning once they start getting their teeth kicked in a little bit they should become better it's i think a lot of baby boomers went through that during the dot-com bubble and then again during the gfc and the ones that we work with they they have understood that they needed those lessons uh and they're tempted to do that less going forward so the consistency then starts to kick in, which is again, your focus, right? It's that account blow up or two. There's a couple of things that come into play regarding what you're talking about. One is a lot of people show up and, and naturally, again, they don't know what they don't know. And I, I was one of them. They're stepping into this thing and they're very naive. And there are a lot yeah. of players in the space that capitalize on that for their own game, system sellers and, and some of the shysters. Yeah or unethical brokers and that kind of stuff. Sure. They capitalize on that and then they encourage it. It's sure, yeah, it is easy and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. you've got that naive aspect of it. But the other part of it is, it's also, and it really does fall back on the individual, is the best thing that any trader or investor can do is decide, regardless of what happens, I'm going to own it and take responsibility for it. If I get my butt kicked hard and I take a beating, I'm not going to blame them. I'm not going to blame the guy who conned me into whatever or the broker who made it too easy for me to get into this and you know, lose $100,000 or whatever. I'm not going to blame anybody. If I get screwed over, it's my own fault. If I get into it and I don't know what the hell I'm doing and I, I lose out of ignorance, I'm going to own it and take responsibility for it and say, all right, if this is the realities of it, how can I treat it with the proper respect? How can I approach it in a manner? How can I learn what I don't know? How can I seek out the proper mentoring or knowledge? There's yep. plenty of books, there's YouTube videos, there's plenty of courses and mentors. Uh, so there's plenty of information around, but how can I seek it out 
so that I'm, I'm not being naive. And one of my favorite examples of somebody, and a couple of things, most traders have found, and you probably experienced this too, most traders, people who are bringing their own money to the game, generally are above average. Traders as a whole are above average, intelligence-wise and in a lot of regards. They wouldn't be in a position to trade if they weren't. And if you can amass 50 or $100,000 or a quarter million dollars or half million dollars to trade with, you're above average. And that says, okay, yeah, I've got the abilities to do this. I've got some certain aptitude and personal assets that I'm bringing to it. But again, if they're stepping into trading and they know that it's new for them, they don't, they're coming from a whole different field, like a doctor or whatever, they need to recognize this is something that I don't know a lot about. Just because I look at it and I understand how it works, it's still, I'm new to this. And so I probably should approach it with caution, realizing that, yes, there is risk and I could lose my butt. One of my favorite examples of this, uh, again, going back to the manufacturing days, we had this one guy who's one of the mechanics and the guy was just a freaking wizard around a machine from an electrical standpoint. The guy was, he was just super sharp, super smart guy. And he got asked to help out with the hydro, with the hydraulic crew. And he came over there and the guys look at him like, oh yeah, Mike, man, yeah, he's just going to kill it over here. And he's like, hey, I'm totally new to this. Yeah, I get the electronics to go with the machines. But with the, with the hydraulics and stuff, I don't know more any more than anybody else. So expect me to be ignorant and not know squat. And, I, and I'm approaching it the same way. And so in that regard, he was very smart about it because he recognized, yeah, this is something I am very ignorant here. I am very naive. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm so, yeah, I am smart over here, but over here I'm not. And so he was really smart about that. And a lot of, one of the best things that, you know, somebody for this and they wanted, you know, their trading and investing to be a financial asset for them and their family and their heirs. It's like, okay, yeah, recognize you're stepping into an occupation that you may or may not have the skills for. You need to investigate it, find out if you do have what you, what it takes to be successful over here. And if you don't, where are your gaps? What do you need to fill so that you can step into this and be successful at it? Don't be naive. And if you are naive, own it and recognize it and do something about it. Because ignorance doesn't mean you're stupid or you're somehow a lesser person. It just means you don't know about something. And it's okay if, if you're ignorant about something. It's okay. Recognize your ignorance and say, I got something to learn. Cool. I need to seek out well, to learn. I think what makes it more difficult, and I would imagine you probably agree with this, is let, let's say the two, let's give two, let's take the two examples of someone is starting to trade, self-directed investor, right? or someone decides to go to the gym, right? The big difference is that over here on the trading side, it's your money's at stake. At the gym, there's no money. Yeah, there's a gym membership at stake, but that's it. And so the emotional burden and the roller coaster is, it's unparalleled. And a lot of people have not experienced that before. So I think that's, that we see that a lot. It's, it's just a whole nother set of emotions that come out that make that consistency more challenging. Yes and no. Um, and, and here's why I say that. Of course, that's the common thing. And anybody who steps into it, yeah, my, I mean, my first year, it was a very emotional year. And almost every time I was doing my trading, I was on the edge of a heart attack. I was just wide wound up. But the thing is, what I found when I first started helping other traders, I had a lot of people coming to me saying, right, I got a good strategy, but I just can't seem to stick to it. I need help with the psychology. And I talked to a lot of different people and it's like, we're exploring all the traditional psychology kind of things. Is it beliefs about money? Is it limiting beliefs about yourself, your worthiness, your family values? We explored a whole, whole lot of different stuff. 
And it didn't take all that long. And I came to the conclusion, it's no, you don't have any psychological issues because you've been very successful in all these other areas. You've demonstrated that you're okay with money. You're okay with success. You're okay with a whole lot of stuff that you're thinking is holding you back in trading. Outside of trading, it's not an issue. So it's something specific to trading. And what I found was it's no, you don't have psychological issues. You have lack of training issues. And it's just like any other job. If you think about it, this is like one of my favorite observations to share with people is if you take a person of, of reasonable intelligence and you throw them into a challenging job that requires knowledge and skills that they don't have, and you just throw them into that job, they're going to struggle. It's going to be rough. They probably won't get good results. It's going to be stressful. And it, it's almost going to, it's going to be almost impossible for it not to be an emotional experience. But if you take that same person and you give them the proper training to where they really do know what they're doing, and then you put them in that job, they're just going to go do their job. And it's not going to be that big of a deal. And if you think about it, and my favorite thing about this last year, almost every client that I've worked with, when we're having this conversation about the emotions, and I'm like, okay, so what do you do? Well, I'm a project manager or I'm a software engineer. And I'm like, is that a fairly complex and sophisticated occupation? Project management is. You put up a $100 million building with 50 production lines in it. That takes some skill and know-how. But you go to your job every day and you're okay. You're, is it a big emotional ride? Are you having trouble doing what you know you're supposed to do? It's no, you just do your job, right? Yeah. Some days are better than others. You enjoy the wins, the rough days. It's like you're glad they're over, but nothing's really screwing you up. When you're competent with trading and you're you're at that proficiency level and you have the competency where yeah you do know what you're doing it's the same thing and it really shouldn't be any more of an emotional ride than your job because now you're skilled at it and you're proficient and you know that you're good and whatever happens you know how to deal with it and from a psychological from an emotional standpoint and i firmly believe that because it all started years ago. I was having a conversation with this one guy. She's like, Ryan, how do you know when you've made it as a trader? And a lot of people hold the view that you can claim that, okay, yeah, I've made it as a trader if I can go six months or a year being profitable. And that's what she was saying. And she's like, I'm profitable for four months now, but I'm still a nervous wreck going to the markets every day. And so it's, okay, maybe that's not it. And, and, and talking with, with her more about it, it's no, really, you've made it as a trader. When you can go to the markets, and you just plain know that you're okay you're solid. It doesn't matter what the markets do. You're okay. End of the month, you're going to make money. That's when you know you've made it as a trader. And so for a, a, a period, it was like, okay, that's like the goal that you want to get to is to achieve that point. And then I, as I thought about it more and more, I was working with more people. It's no, really, that should be your starting point that you want to reach before you start trading with real money is, yeah, you know that you're going to the markets. You've got a method or maybe a handful of strategies that you you're solid. You've proven them out. You know that they work. You know that you're okay executing them and you can execute them perfect. And you, then you're going to the markets and you're solid and it's not going to be a big emotional ride. You already established success, the success before you start risking money. But if you, if you haven't established that knowledge and that knowing that, yes, I've got a strategy that works and I know that I'm, I can take it to the markets and I can trade it and follow it. If you haven't gotten there yet and you go start trading with real money, that's when it's going to be such a, a ride because you haven't established that confidence in yourself and your system yet. But when you have that confidence in yourself and your strategies that you're working with, it's not that big of a deal. Following instructions is what I hear heard from you before. I think that is probably a, a good a place to wrap this up as I can think of. But I think mm -hmm. 
lack of following instructions or lack of willingness. Maybe the ability is one thing, but it's the lack of, if you want to, a lot of times you can do it, but not willing to follow the clear instructions is one of those things that I think leads to a lack of consistency at the beginning. It's, we'll find a finish off with a golf example. You've never swung a club before, but you're trying to hook it around a tree. You first need to hit a, first thing you need to learn to actually make contact with the ball. Then let's maybe chip a little bit. Then let's hit some hundred yard shots. Then we start hitting some, like the whole thing, but you can't just wrap it around a tree. And I think it's the same thing with trading. You really have to get in the reps and get some basics down and follow those instructions. And, and yeah. it's the allure not to do that, to go straight for the, the big gain is, is so severe mm-hmm. that I think it messes a lot of people up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just touched on something that to, to me is like it is absolute gold and, and is a great takeaway for anybody that's listening to this. If you don't take anything else away from this conversation we're having today, if this is the only thing you take away from it, this is the one thing that you should take away. And you just touched on it. Reps count. Think about this. If you wanted to be a competition golfer, would you go buy a set of clubs and then only show up when it was tournament time? No. You would spend time at the driving range, getting good at your tee, your tee shots. You'd be spending time on the par threes, a lot of time, getting good with your irons and your short game, getting on the green. You'd be spending tons of time on the putting green, being able to two putt every time. So that when it came time for the tournament, you're showing up, you know what the hell to do. And you've got your, you got your strokes, your, your tee shots, you're getting on your short game and putting. You've already got it all home. So that, yeah, when you're showing up for a tournament, you're ready. And not only have you practiced and developed the skills with it, you've also developed your confidence. And what so many traders do not do, they don't practice outside of their live trading. And it's, that is one of the best things you can absolutely do is take your SIM account and on the weekends or whenever, do some back testing, just practicing your strategies. Just practice the good execution. Practice. And the other thing is patience is another tough one for traders. So, yeah, I'm having a hard time sitting there waiting for the candles to form when waiting for a setup and everything. And so I'm dealing with patience that you just got that itch to get in on a trade. Think about it. If over the weekend you got in 50 or hundred back test trades, you've really scratched that itch now. So now when you come to the markets on Monday morning, you're not dying to get in on a trade because you've already bagged a hundred, but the reps and getting in that practice is so huge. It'll give you confidence in your strategy. It'll give you confidence in yourself. It'll improve your proficiency and being able to recognize your strategy and, and you know, the results of it, all that kind of stuff. And just the practice and the reps is huge and you can do it for free. And that's the best thing about it. The allure of immediate gratification in the markets is too real, unfortunately, for a lot of people. I think that is probably where a lot of people get hung up. But luckily, as you say, there are ways to, if you want it bad enough, you can make it work. But mm-hmm. the practice range is a good place to start. Brian, listen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, InsideOutTrading.com is where you are at. Is there a the in front of it? No, it's just InsideOutTrading.com. Mm-hmm. Brian, thank you so much. Yeah, we'll enjoy again it, soon. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Anytime. We'll talk again. And you know what? As the year goes on, and I'm sure I'm going to keep an eye out for the, the whole consistency theme. If I really start focusing on it more, I'll see more examples of some things we can talk about. Because there, there's really, like, one of the things that I think we could probably come up with over time is 
because there, there's a lot of stuff that, that one can do to get to more consistency. But I think there is a checklist of one, two, three, four, five, six things that could be uh, focused on most, most closely. So maybe next time when we come back, we can come up with a list like that. I already got that list. And as silly as it sounds, that's what I teach people. I, I don't teach a specific strategy. I teach them consistency. There you go. So insideouttrading.com, is that one of your free reports? <laughs> I've got actually several resources for free. You go to the homepage that speak to different aspects of consistency and how to get there. And one of them, it's uh, actually not one of the uh, uh, images on the main page, but actually one of the links at the top is Consistent Profits Training. That uh, video, and, and there's no pitch yeah. in it, there's no sell. It's about a 25, 30 minute video. And it talks about specifically the things that happen to a trader that create issues with consistency and the four things that you need to do to overcome those and really be able to get to where you are a consistently profitable, confident trader in a, a very reasonable period of time. And that's one of my favorite videos because there are three things when it comes to consistency challenges that a lot of traders run into that they don't, they're not aware of and they're totally under your control. And in that audio, I talk about it. So yeah, that's probably the one that I recommend the most is, and, and it will be the most helpful as far as helping you understand why things are rough and why it's not as easy as it should be. So yeah, that's where perfect. I InsideOutTrading.com. That's great. I think this is perfect. Look, anything people can do to, to, I think about it this way. So a lot of times people will, will, I'll buy something, right? I'll buy whatever. I don't know. I can't even think of it. I'll buy a YouTube video or something or for a yoga class or something. I don't know, Just whatever. A lot of people are frustrated if they don't like become professional yoga teachers after they just pay $25 for a yoga class. If I think, if I can take one thing away from that, like one, doesn't even have to be a big thing. That's good enough. So again, baby steps and reps is probably the way to go. So Brian, thank you so much, man. Have a great year and uh, hopefully we'll uh, speak again soon. Sounds good, man.